All right. <clears throat> now, I have a similar gift for you. I got to go get it. in there somewhere. Somewhere in here. I think that was when we didn't unwrap last year. Um, not there. Nope, not there yet. Hmm. Got a reindeer. Candle sled. Ah, Christmas movies. We've got those. Yeah, it's a wonderful life. A Christmas carol and white Christmas. None of which have anything to do with Jesus or Christmas. Hmm. Um, oh, Santa Claus. Yeah, this is kind of an old, traditional Santa Claus. Eh, I don't know about that. Yeah. Um, ah! Leg lamp. Can't forget that. Some jingle bells and a stocking. Ah, finally. I knew it was in there somewhere. I hadn't seen it in a while, but I knew it was there. Isn't that cute? This is what I was looking for. But all this stuff kind of got in the way and blocked my vision for a little bit. I want to put this stuff away. I'm not sure how relevant it is. I mean, it's stuff that kind of gets our attention at this time of year. But what are we really looking for? And that's a question we need to ask ourselves a lot. What am I really looking for at Christmas? It's a lot of stuff. It's not bad stuff. How do you, I like all this. I like all this stuff. Really, frankly, I do. I watched every one of these and enjoyed them again for the who knows how many times. That's not really what it's all about, is it? Interesting Christmas sermon. <laughs> Free spiritual cataract surgery here at Machias Community Church Vision Clinic. What does it mean 
What does this mean? What significance is really here? We celebrate it. We get together and we say, okay, this is really important. I'm a Christian. This is, this is really important. This part, you know, even though it's probably in the bottom of the box sometimes. And certainly out in the world, this is not really why we're getting together at this particular time of year. So why are we? What is it that is so significant about this? Okay. One of my jobs, one of my responsibilities here <clears throat> is to lead you into God's way of looking at things and seeing things and thinking about things. We would call that the biblical worldview. Not man's view. Man's view is completely different. And so we go through life and we make decisions and we evaluate things that are happening and we evaluate how we're going to do things. And are we doing that using God's view of things or are we doing that using our view of things? So one of my jobs is to help you, to prepare you for God's worldview. And so who is the surgeon? Holy Spirit. What is the scalpel? The Word of God. Sharper than a two-edged sword. Um, and so, who am I? Well, I'm nothing but part of the preparatory team to get you ready for the surgery that God's going to do when you hear the Word of God. You're going to hear the Word of God for the next little bit. But in order for you to understand what I believe is the true significance of this and of Christmas, i got to tell you a story. It's a long story. Has a, has a has a problem, has a plan for a solution, and it has a conclusion. And it's going to take me a while to do it. <clears throat> but since we're talking about seeing things God's way, I brought visual aids. I got to get these right. We'll see. Starts with this. Oh, hold it. I unplugged myself. There you go. <laughs> Who knows? Just uh, a, little, a little satanic opposition, or I'm just really fumbling around. Um, don't know. Okay, so in the beginning, God created man, and they were good, and he put him in the Garden of Eden, and everything was wonderful. And God and man had intimate relationship with one another. Then we know how it all turned out. What happened? What happened? What happened? Hey, they messed it up. And so what were the consequences of the messing it up? They were separated from God. They were separated from God spiritually, and they were also separated from the garden. But, but the big thing that they were, were missing now was that they are separated from God in an intimate relationship when God created them specifically to need things that only he could supply. 
And so not only were they no longer in a really cool place where stuff just fell off trees and they didn't have to work very hard and there were no, no thorns and no, no weeds and stuff, and stuff just grew and all of their labors, you know, were, were, were not in vain and all things worked out for them. Murphy's Law had not yet been invented. And it was perfect. So not only did they get booted out of there, but they were no longer in intimacy with God. They needed to be reconciled. Okay, so, so they, they were no longer in intimacy with God, and they got booted out of the garden. Oh. <clears throat> so then God said, Behold, man has come like one of us, knowing good and evil, lest he reach out in his hand and take also the tree of life and eat and live forever. Nope. Therefore God sent him out of the garden. So that's what happened. I'm going to show you some verses. You can read them as I'm telling this story. So, so here they are, and so they're out of the garden, they're on their own, they're spiritually dead. And in fact, they are kind of like the walking dead, or spiritual zombies. Is that my spiritual zombies? Yes. Now, you didn't always look like that, right? But, but, but nonetheless, spiritually, that's what their hearts look like. They're walking dead because they're no longer alive spiritually. The kind of life that God is promising us to get with Jesus, but that's not them right then. So every human being born after that is actually like this. Now, some of you are really cute, but <clears throat> when we were born, that's what we really were inside. We're walking around like we have life. We're walking around like everything is good. And, and the majority of the world is walking around thinking, hey, I'm okay. But they're not. Because they're dead inside. And they don't have access to the very thing that God created them to be. And that was to be intimate with him. And so this is a major problem. This is the biggest problem. I've told you this I don't know how many times. This is the biggest problem you're going to face as a human being. And so the biggest thing that you can accomplish here is to be reconciled to God and be restored back in relationship with Him so that you can get all the things that He intended you to have when He created you in the first place. Okay, so that's, that was our, this is our problem. That we're, we're spiritual zombies, and we don't really know what to do with it. And so human beings go on and on and on for all 4,000 years, and God has different ways of temporarily dealing with the problem. He called it the Old Covenant. And there were sacrifices and rituals that they had to do, but there was still not a solution at hand, although God had already calculated the plan way before he made men and women or created the world. And so he knew that this was a problem, but he also knew he was going to provide a solution. He was going to provide a way for human beings who are spiritually dead to have their sins taken away and be restored back to God. Here we go. Oops, I probably missed. I'm going to miss this a lot. Okay, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's these guys. The wages of that sin is death or separation from God. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ. So here we go, and we see him. And this is, this is what we were talking about last night. So the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. Good news, gospel, the good news. For, in this, for born to you this day in the city of David is a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you that you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger that I made yesterday. 
There we go. So this is the answer. This is the eternal answer to all of our problems. This is, this is Jesus, who is God's plan for reconciling mankind back to himself. And he first came as a man, God with us. Do you understand the miracle of the incarnation? Do you recognize that God, the God of the universe that spoke everything into existence, the most powerful thing ever, humbled himself to become a man so he could come and be with us. At this point, we were separated from God. God said, you can't even look upon me or you will die. And so I am actually going to humble myself to the point that I will come as a person so that I can be with you. I can fulfill the old covenant perfectly because I will live a sinless, perfect life, fulfilling the old covenant and usher in the new plan for salvation, not really new for God, but new for us, that all who believe in my name, who believe that I came, who I am the Son of God, and all who believe in my name and accept me as, as their Savior and Lord will be saved. And so that's what happened. Jesus came. That was the beginning of the restoration plan. That was the beginning, the first steps that God is taking to bring us back to himself. And so this is very important, and we are celebrating this today. How many of you think the rest of the world is celebrating my birthday today? Or tomorrow? Tomorrow. No, because I didn't do this. I'm not God. I didn't come to save you for your sins. But this made such an impact. This was the beginning. This is God starting to come to fulfill the promise that he made long before to provide a way out of being an object of God's wrath and in to being an object of God's love and mercy and grace. This starts it, but it just starts it. This is not the whole story, folks. But what's next? What's next is this one. You see, because this one was born to be on this one. This one was born to die. Now, we're all going to die. But this one came for this purpose. He came and he, he, he gave us a lot of good things. He, 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 he preached some wonderful sermons. You can read them in the Bible. He taught daily lessons, really great at, at teachable moments. If you just want to practice your parenting, look up how Jesus dealt with his disciples. Great at teaching, but what did he really come for? He came for this. He came for this because on that, he gained victory over death. He gained victory over sin. But it didn't stop there either, did it? Hmm? If that was the beginning, I mean, if this was, if this was all there is, it's like, cool, God, you came to hang out with us for a while and then you left... No, I came for a purpose, and this was it. I came to die on a cross. So it was now about the sixth hour. There was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour, and while the sun's light faded, the curtain of the temple was torn in two. You know what that meant? 
There was a curtain inside the temple between the Holy of Holies and the outer court. And, and no one could go in there except the priest. And only when he was completely ceremonially clean, he could go in there one time a year. And he would go in because the presence of God inhabited the Holy of Holies. And God was so awesomely holy that if anybody got close to it, it would kill them. In fact, they had to tie a rope around the ankle of the priest that went in in case he wasn't completely purified the way he was supposed to be so they could drag out the body and wouldn't stink. When Jesus died, it ripped that curtain down the middle, symbolizing that now our access to God was granted. When our sins are covered by Jesus, we can now stand and come to the very throne room of God and say, Abba, Father, Daddy, God. Daddy, I'm having trouble. Come right in, son. Take a seat. Let's talk. That's the kind of intimacy you can have now with God because of the price that Jesus paid on this. But then that can't end there either. So the next one was this one. Where would we be if Jesus just died? And was not resurrected. So Jesus not only paid the penalty for our sins, but he also gained victory over our spiritual death and our physical death. Because we can live eternally with him because he rose again. Now that's another holiday. But you can't take this out of the sequence. You can't take this out of the sequence. And really you can't take this out of the sequence either. They're, any of them, right? Right? And so this is, this is good, but it belongs in line with everything else. And so Jesus came, he lived a perfect life, he died on a cross for your sins, and he rose again. And he, ro he rose again to give us hope that there's something beyond this life. Because frankly, this life's not all that fun. It's not all that great. There's a lot of pain. There's a lot of anguish. There's a lot of trial and hardship in this life. And God says there's hope for something better. And that I gave you the sign of that hope when I left this and went back. And so he, he came out. And in fact, he showed himself to a number of people, quite a few people. And he spent a little bit more time here, but then, then he went back. He went back, and you know what he did? He sat beside the throne room of God as your advocate. And so when God looks down and says, what's that Tim guy up to again? Jesus says, no, he's one of ours. Covered. Jesus is up there waiting, and, he, and he, he's at the throne room of God. He's on the, the right hand of God, and he's, he's advocating on our behalf to say, no, I paid for those people. They belong to us now. What else is, what else is going on in the whole story? And so Jesus left, and before he left, what did he say? He said, I'm going to send you something back. I'm going to send back the comforter, this, my Holy Spirit. I'm going to send him back. And what's he going to do? He's going to work to gather the family of God together. And so here we go. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of works we have done in righteousness, but according to his own mercy and the washing and regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. So God and Jesus goes back to heaven. He sits down with God and he sends back his Holy Spirit to gather the family around him. So if, 
If you are feeling the Holy Spirit, that's God. That's God living in the lives of his believers, but it's also God working in the lives of non-believers to open their eyes, open their hearts, and bring them into the family of God. If God is working in your life, if you are not a follower of Christ, do not resist the Holy Spirit. He's leading you towards the only hope you really only have. And so the Holy Spirit comes and he brings people and he changes their hearts and minds. He brings them into the family of God. But what's next? Well, then we're reborn. And we don't look like this anymore. We look like this, according to God, and now we're spiritually alive, and we look like regular old people, and the Holy Spirit has opened our hearts and our minds, and we accepted the message of Jesus, the salvation message that says, come on, in one and all, all who believe. And so we're saved, and our eternal destiny is secure, and there we are, and we're living a life just like you and I, and here we are, and this is still tough, but we're living in Christianity with the Holy Spirit inside of us, To change us. Just like the caterpillar, or that actually starts out with the pupa, then works you up to a ca- Where are you at? Caterpillar stage? I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't think I got my wings yet. Um, butterfly. Right? That's coming. Okay, so somewhere in here, God is working in you through his Holy Spirit inside you to transform you. What he says, you are those who I call a predestined to be transformed to the image of Christ, to be conformed to the image of Christ. So the Holy Spirit is in there, and this is the path we're on right now. We accepted Jesus. We got the salvation message. The Holy Spirit opens our hearts and minds. We accepted it, and now he's in there trying to change us. All we got to do is quit resisting. And that's, that's, that's part of the big story here. We're all in there, somewhere in there. It, God is in you right now trying to transform you into a butterfly. Now, it's probably not going to happen completely until it's all done. But, but somewhere in there, God is always working on us, and he promises that. That he didn't just save us and let us on our own. Nope, I put my Holy Spirit in you. I gave you the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, goodness, and self-control. And I'm changing you to look more like me all the time. And if you get out of the way, it'll happen a lot faster. But we don't. Okay, so what's next? Well, next, at some point, we die. And then if it says in the Bible, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Do I have that? Yes. Physical death of non-believers. Just as is appointed for man once to die, and after that comes judgment. So then in our journey through this whole story of life, we live, and then some of us die in our spiritual ignorance. Everybody's going to die. And some of us died changed and saved by the message of salvation. But thankfully, that's not the end. So what happens next? This one. We're up there. In fact, it says in there, we're in paradise with Jesus to be absent from the body, to be present for the Lord. So we are dead physically, but we are still with Jesus. And at some point, he is coming back. And he's going to say, we're going to see him coming from the sky. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command and the voice of the archangel and with the sound of the trumpet of God and the dead shall rise in Christ first. Then we who are alive, we who are left, 
are going to be caught up with Jesus in the clouds. And together we'll meet the Lord in the air and we will be with him always. Amen. But then there's coming a point of the final judgment. When all of God's children have come in, this is what happens. Both the living and the dead are going to stand before the final judgment seat of God. And they'll be judged. And then those who died without Christ are going to be resurrected. And those who died with Christ are going to be resurrected and given a new body when Jesus returns. And then the final judgment will come. And all will be judged. And it says, I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. And from his presence, earth and sky fled away. For there was no place to be found for them. And I saw the dead, the great and the small, standing before the throne. There's the throne. There it is. And the dead. Standing before the throne. And, in, and the books were opened. And there's the book of life, and there's the book of death. And another book was opened, and it was the book of life, and the dead that were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. And that doesn't mean in their works. That was what they have done means, did they accept the free offer of God's salvation or did they not? And that's the only requirement. And so the final judgment is going to happen and God will, will open the books and they'll be judged by what they have done. And those that belong to Jesus are going to live in the new heaven and the new earth with Jesus, with new bodies where everything, once again, has been restored to its perfect original design. And we will no longer no pain, no tears, no sorrow. We will have everything that we were intended to have directly from the Creator who created us. And it will be so awesome, you can't even imagine. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind can conceive of the wonderful things that God has prepared for those who love him. This is something you can't even imagine. I can only imagine. I love that song. And that's it. That's all we can do. It says it's beyond your imagination. It is so good. It is so good. In order to get there, you only have to do one thing, and that is take advantage of the free gift that happened on this. But what if you don't? This is just as real. And this is what's going to happen. That's just as real as anything you're going to ever see. Hopefully we don't have a smoke alarm. 
The meaning of Christmas is you can't have this without this and without this. Because if you don't have this, you can't get this, you can't have that, and we all end up here instead of here. Got it? Without this, you don't get this, or this, or this. You get that. That's the meaning of Christmas. It's a package deal. You can't, you can't, it doesn't really matter, it doesn't really make sense to just focus on this. This is good, but without all the rest of it, it doesn't really make any sense. So, a baby came, he was God. When we worship him and when we celebrate this, you can't take it, it's a package deal. You can't take the baby out of everything else. When we come together, we're celebrating all of it. Every single aspect of this story belongs to you except this. This is not a seasonal concept, people. We need to be celebrating this every single day that we live. All of it. All of it. Let's get package it all up in one thing. Eh, we started with that. They, they messed up. They caused all the trouble. We'll leave them out. Okay, here we are. This is all part of the same story. When we celebrate Christmas, we focus on this one little part of the story. But the real meaning is in all of it. What we see... So, so how, how do we take this... Again, I said it's, this is not a, it's not a seasonal concept. And, and you know, we celebrate Jesus' birth and we think, okay, that's, that's a good thing, but is that the only time? It would be as if, okay, I only, Carol, am going to love you and honor you as my spouse on our anniversary. The rest of the time, forget it. I'm just I'm too busy doing other things. Or, Mom, the only time I'm really going to appreciate you and honor you and serve you is on Mother's Day and forget the rest of the year. The world doesn't get it. Now... I like that stuff. See, the world is celebrating some things. And, and, and they're not bad. The kindness, family, generosity, brotherly love. You know what? I'll take all of that I can get. Okay? I do this stuff. All, pretty much all of it. Yeah, pretty much all of it. And I enjoy it. And I love having family. I love it when people are nicer at Christmas time. I'll take all of that. Plus this. Right? I mean, it's okay to have that, but if it's all you have, enjoy it now because that's your future. And so it's okay, I think, it's okay to celebrate Christmas. It's okay to watch Christmas movies and decorate your tree and put up Christmas lights. And, and maybe you even have a Santa Claus, ho, 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 whatever. And that's fun. And our culture, you know, is a little bit nicer, and the Christmas spirit is around. It's, it's, it's a cool thing to see. But this is what it's all about. I'll take that, but this is what it's about. This is what Christmas is really all about. 
You got to see them both. See, so I'm helping you, hopefully, to have a more biblically oriented view of Christmas. Don't throw out the baby with the bathwater. This is important. So is all that. And we really do need to be celebrating it and communicating that message all year. There is no seasonality to this message, to this story, folks. Just because we want to focus on one part of it. In conclusion, let me just say, we talked about gifts last night. John talked about gifts last night. <clears throat> this was a gift from God. But we're going to package the whole thing up. Either you already own this, or it's got your name on it. Come up and get it. If you don't have it yet, come up and get it. You can do it today. I'm inviting all of you that are not followers of Christ to join the family of God. And all you have to do is believe that Jesus came, that he was the Son of God, that he lived a perfect life, that he died on the cross for your sins. And you can join the rest of us in eternity with God. I would pray that you would do that. Now, for those of you that already own this, for crying out loud, go out and share it, will you? To everybody you know. That's part of, part of Christmas is, is to, to take this. If you want to give gifts at Christmas, give that gift. Give them the gift of salvation, the one that keeps on giving. Now, you can't give it to them, but you can introduce it to them, right? You can be like me in, in the, uh, you can be the, the, in the preparation team getting people ready for the scalpel work that the Holy Spirit's going to do through the Word of God. Tis the season. That's it. Merry Christmas. Let's pray. Lord, you're an awesome and wonderful God, and you have given us the gift that we take for granted so often or we ignore. Both of them have horrible consequences. Lord, we just thank you. And help us not to forget what it cost you to give us this gift. It cost you everything. So, Lord, just help us really treasure what we have or treasure it enough to share it with others so that they can experience the same spiritual heritage that we're going to experience and they will have the same peace and joy available to them here in this life because of your Holy Spirit. So, Lord, we just pray that you would use this in our lives to see things more clearly, see it through your eyes, see it in a biblical way so that we can do your will using your power through your Holy Spirit and build your kingdom here on earth. In Jesus' name, amen.